This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, writer and protagonist of Heroin Training, and today's episode is Art and Healing. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? Hi, Zandra. My art life is connected. I talk so much on this show about my resistance to social media, and you and I both on the air and off the air talk about having to manage our social batteries, having to manage the time that we spend on social media and around other people. I think that that comes up quite a lot when we talk about our energy levels. And in the past few weeks, uh, I have been protesting, I have been doing a ton of online activism, I've been way more connected on the phone and in person to people, and I think it's really interesting. I noticed that I have way more energy than I ever would have expected. I think that in some ways, just like energy begets energy, you know, when you have momentum, it keeps up. But I also think that there's something to be said for the fact that doing the work that I'm doing right now and having the kinds of conversations that I'm having among my peers, um, with my patrons, and out protesting, I feel so much more connected to who I really am as a person, and it's so much more energizing than my normal use of social media. So my art life is very connected right now, but it is not depleting at all, and I'm really trying to process why that is. Interesting. I love that double usage of the word connected, because the more connected you are, the, the more meanings that word will have as well, but also it'll just all be streamlined. Is that making any sense? It is. It's like I'm more connected to other people, for sure, but I'm also more connected to my own identity or my own authenticity. So perhaps my, my social relationships are less draining because I'm really talking about things I'm passionate about. And my use of social media is more focused on activism or education. And uh, I guess it's just a lot less draining than what I normally use it for. Grace, as we depended on your years of experience in our last episode for our mini pop-up episode on anti-racism in your art life, I've been thinking about how you've been doing this for so long and suddenly a couple of weeks ago the online world all did the rare thing of paying attention to one cause and i am thinking about that as you're talking about feeling more connected with what work you are passionate about and then what became the main topic online and i'm wondering what has that been like for you what is the as someone who's been watching this movement, who's been involved in this movement for much longer than has been trendy. Right. What has that experience been like for you? 
Sure. I mean, I just, it's funny. I just dug up all these pictures of, like, I was trying to find something and I, I found pictures of myself at the first Black Lives Matter protest back in Philly. And then I found some hilarious posts from when I was organizing and, like, staying at the Occupy camp. And um, it was just a moment of, like, of just funny for me because I found, you know, photos of myself at 15 and, like, a, a t-shirt that said, activism is not terrorism, with my, like, hair mohawked. And I was like, yeah, I really always have been about this, huh? <laughs> um, so it's ex it's exciting. It's uh, it's definitely exciting. I um, feel very moved, um, and I more than anything, I I must admit, I mean, I feel really shocked because this specific movement, Black Lives Matter, it's not about me. You know, I'm there as a supporter, and I'm there to to help the people whose voices need to be amplified. I definitely don't feel like it's my movement. I just feel like it's something I've been supporting and part of since the beginning without being like a, a, a necessary voice to the cause. But when I, with, in a more zoomed out perspective, you know, there's all of these conversations going on about police brutality and defunding the police. And um, for me, I never thought in my lifetime I would see my peers saying something like defund the police or talking about like prison abolition or police abolition. I have loved this work. It has been the most important, you know, part of my life or, you know, the center of my soul and my heart since I was so young. And it's also been very lonely at different points in my life when I've moved or when I've, you know, joined a new community of friends and there's been this whole huge uh, passion of mine that's been hard to explain or has been sort of alienating um, or made, you know, at times made me feel too intense or, or like too obnoxious, whatever it is. Like there have been people that really shut down in conversations around activism uh, my whole life. And now all of a sudden, I'm, like, having conversations with my acting teacher, who's a white guy in his 50s, about the the value of defunding the police or abolishing the police force. And he's listening to me. And, he, and you know, I'm sharing, like, resources with him. And he's even, like, sticking up for me when his friends are telling me to shut up on Facebook. And um, it's so exciting and... I'm really glad people are joining up. I, of course, don't want it to just be a trend. I want this to be a long-term work for people. But um, I t I'm really moved more than anything because I'm just like, I truly, even as an optimist, even as someone who just believes in the good in humanity, I never thought that I would see this in my lifetime. I thought that I was building something that maybe my grand kid generation, you know, people multiple generations removed would actually see. And now I have hope that I might see these things that I strive for in my lifetime. And that's amazing. I think as we move forward and part of the 
part of the inspiration for this title of art and healing has been about the long term is a fear that this is not just a trend and that this is a lifestyle that we adapt into our daily practices of how can we as a collective as allies how can we keep this up long term until it's until it's, it doesn't need to be anymore which um we're going to need a lot of energy for that absolutely and before we get into that i i want to hear from you i mean we haven't been able to catch up much so zandra how is your art life well my art life is private we Ooh. were discussing offline how what did we want to do for our next episode and i was feeling really unwell i ha- i've been having really a, a, re- a really difficult time with depression over the past month or so and i i sent you a voice message and said you know i just i haven't really been making art so i don't really know how to talk about that and then after I sent you that message, I realized it just, it wasn't true. I have been continuing with my art life. I've been writing in my journal every day. I've been writing drafts for poems and essays that may or may not ever be published. I've been reading and watching television in that active and engaged way that is part of my art life. And it's just become so habitual that I didn't notice it because it's just what I do. I wasn't doing it on purpose. But also the difference was that I wasn't publishing. I wasn't putting my work online and saying, look, here I did it. And that was in part because I decided to mute my online presence and then after that, I was sick. And so I just I felt like I wasn't publishing as much as I had intended to, certainly. But it was an important distinction for me to recognize that even when I'm not sharing the finished product, I'm still creating. I can't stop myself from doing that. And you're still an artist. Yeah. That's still your title, you know? <laughs> it's just my way of being. And absolutely, I realized that there was this distinct difference between the attitude of, I feel like I can't get out of bed, but I need to keep this up. I'm going to keep showing up to work and writing my however many words. There's a distinct difference between that attitude and the one that I had embodied, which was, I'm not feeling well, so maybe if I keep my journal nearby, just in case. I can use that as a tool that will help me feel better. And that's, that is the art life. Right. That is what this show is. You know, it's, I love that part of this show is us coming back to our own lessons and our own values. And it's an important reminder to our listeners too. Like we're all about process over product in this show, but we have to confront our own obsessions with productivity and our own obsessions with publishing and our, you know, the ways that we question ourselves as artists when uh, when we take time to 
to do more internal work or just create things for ourselves. Like we're sharing this with you, the audience, because this is our life's work, understanding process over product and um, and having to remind ourselves of that value system. That still applies, you know? We still have to relearn these lessons, right? It's so fascinating to have that thesis statement for life and to keep learning it in in slightly different ways where I think this time I realized that I was quantifying the process itself as a product I was thinking this needs to the process needs to look a certain way in order for it to count when really if my process is I'm sick and I'm asleep all day that's still part of the process and we can't be producing all of the time that's not how the earth works you know there are seasons on our planet and yet we expect ourselves to just be producing 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 with no rest and over time i've i've learned that for me art is rest too and rest is art and here we are in our art and healing episode. So going directly into it, this is what I've been thinking about in terms of the healing that we need to do in the world, the healing that we need to do as individuals just to keep going with our lives and to contribute to that healing. So I've been thinking a lot about that relationship between art and healing in my life. And Grace, I would love to hear what comes up for you. So a couple episodes ago, we interviewed or I interviewed Amelia Fortes, who is a healer and a a life coach, a self-love coach. And we talked so much in that episode about how artists are healers. She was like, you know, I I think I asked her, I said, do you think of yourself as an artist? She's like, yeah, I'm an artist. She's like, but also artists are healers. Like they're the same thing. (laughs) And I'm like, right, that's absolutely right. Or, or at least I believe they should be. We should be. Um, And, you know, that definitely had an impact on me, and it's something that really spoke to me. And one of the things that's come up for me in my life in the past few years uh, in L.A., but also um, even in the past few weeks, one thing that's come up for me is sort of the responsibility that I have as an artist to create safer spaces where the work is created, to create more nurturing environments among my collaborators. You know, I work in TV and film. It's a collaborative medium. So I'm always working with people. And it's no surprise to learn if you've been near a phone or the news at all in your life (laughs) that, um, you know, there's a lot of issues in Hollywood and there's a lot of issues on in art galleries and there's a lot of issues between writers. I mean, there's in publishing, like there's a lot of issues about boundaries being crossed, about racism and casting, about um, uh, sexuality 
being absolutely mishandled on set um, or in collaborative relationships. There's so much that needs to be healed in the workplace and in our art. And there's so much need for positive examples of relationships in art and um, for stories that, that, uh, that exemplify healthy communication and, and love and not just violence and fighting. Like, we love that drama, but we need other stories. There's so much healing that we can do as artists, like, through the art we create but also um, creating safer spaces in which the art is created. So one thing that came up for me in the past few weeks was the fact that uh, my friend Bridge, um, Reverend Bridge Feltus, who is a healer in LA, she, she launched her organization, The Intersection for Mankind, that is a it's an intersection of arts and entertainment and healing practices, healing modalities, um, and history. There's so much wonderful stuff that she teaches. I went to their like big launch event earlier this year. And then unfortunately nothing else was able to happen because of quarantine. But I knew I've wanted to join Bridges, uh, course for the past year since I heard about it. She has a six week course called heal thyself which is an intimate diversity training, um, intimate diversity course for healers and coaches racialized as white. So Bridge teaches a six-week workshop with um, all like teachers of color. It's a, a workshop for white people to learn how to communicate with their patients or their clients or their collaborators with a deep understanding of racism, with a deep understanding of how racism has affected those relationships or affected our own privilege or the understanding the history of racism in medicine and in entertainment. So this is a course that I have read about and I've really wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was right for me because, oh, well, I'm not a healer. I'm an artist. You know, like I had that little thing where I said, well, is it right? And absolutely randomly, I posted about about this class. I posted about it in my weekly love letter on Patreon. I was telling people about it, saying, I think I'm going to sign up for this if anyone else wants to join me. Bridge saw that I did this. She reached out to me and she said, hey, some of my alumni have uh, basically paid it forward, paid forward what they learned by offering scholarships. Do you want to take the class for free? And she said, I think that you'd be a great fit. You, you know, you don't just need to be a life coach or a healer. Like it definitely applies to artists. And then I said, heck yeah, I want to do this. Like this is perfect. And then my dad, who is a doctor and my stepmom, who is an art therapist, also said they would join. And it's like this amazing moment where I get to share this, this learning with my family um, and also get the exact course that I, I wanted just by like sharing her work. She noticed and offered me a scholarship. 
but it's been such a wonderful thing to just really finally claim that like I actually have more work to do you know I, I need more education and that I work in such a collaborative field and I want to be so prepared I want to I want to be as prepared as possible to create the art and create the environments on set that bring out the most healing and the most uh, comfort and the most safety for people. I want my castmates and everyone, my crew, everyone on set to feel safe and to feel heard. And I want to dismantle racism actively um, and with an understanding of how to do that. So that's what's come up for me in the past few weeks when I talk about art and healing in the time that we're in. I've been thinking, what does that mean for me day to day? And how can I be a better leader with that in mind? So I, there are different ways to go about this conversation, but that's what I wanted to share with you for this episode was I've been thinking about how to create safer spaces in my work and how to make my work more healing to the audience. As you were telling that story, and first of all, I love that there's even this scholarship program, that that's that's part of it, that people have gifted this forward. I was just thinking, oh gosh, can, can you imagine if everyone had that dedication to make the spaces that they show up to a healing space, a safe space, an active space. And then you mentioned that your dad and your stepmom are joining you on this program and the dream just started to slowly come true. If we each take that responsibility. No, I just, it's dreamy that they want to join. That's like, beyond my wildest dreams that my dad and stepmom said, hey, we'll do this too. We'll sign up. And that's that's the power of, of you taking the initiative to say, this is what I'm going to do and putting that idea forward. And it just takes a couple of people to say, okay, I'll join you. And then you've tripled that impact. I think it's a a valuable story to share right now because there's a lot of question in the air of okay what now how do i how do i keep this up i've had a lot of individuals ask me or share that i've had a lot of conversations about that with people and it's been an interesting one to pair with this month's theme this month's chapter title in Everyday Wonderland, which is protagonist. And it was supposed to have, I had this other vision for how my protagonist project would play out over the course of this month, but it's turned out to be even bigger than that, to be even more important than that. It was about integrating the parts of the self, but actually what's what's greater than that is to consider your role as a citizen of this planet with the set of privileges that we're each given to consider within our passions, within our strengths, what is our unique way 
of giving back of push of putting putting motion in action to create the the world that we want to live in and that's that's the question that is going to keep coming up so i'm curious about something with you i focused a little bit today on my sort of like in-person like big set environments or these these um, circumstances with like collaborators um, and you've talked about everyday wonderland like your membership program and the community that you're you're speaking to but I'm also curious about like what your personal relationship is how this word healing and um, and maintaining energy in the long term in your art uh, what I'm curious what that looks like with your writing, with your essays, outside of your community. Yeah, thank you for asking. That was actually the first thing that I gained clarity on, which is that the way that I write my process is that I, I let myself enjoy things for fun. I let myself obsess over my favorite books and TV shows. And I just did an inventory of all of the books that I've read so far this year, all of the books that I've bought so far this year, and realized that despite vaguely trying to read more diversely, I'd only read half of the books that I'd finished this year were by authors of color, a much smaller fraction of the movies that I've seen this year have featured or were created by people of color. And so something that I am committing to is is upping that number of heck yeah of things that of the the art that I consume because I don't purposefully manufacture these references to stories that I love when I'm writing my essays. It always starts with my personal experience, something that I'm processing, and then out of nowhere, it'll remind me of something else. And that that will always surprise me. But if I make the pool of obsessions more diverse, then as a result, what I'm writing about in my work will be referencing a more diverse heroin training curriculum as well. And in particular, when um, when I was resting last week, there were a lot of recommendations for films and TV shows pertaining to Black Lives Matter that were circulating. And I just, I didn't, I still haven't felt ready to watch um, the thirteenth yet, and yeah. I I want to make sure that I'm I'm ready to watch it and engage with it. And like it took several months for me to warm up to watching Parasite. So this is something that I know about myself. But on Netflix, I found Dear White People, which is my new favorite TV show. And it's it's funny, it's intelligent, it's so well written, and a lot of the drama that is driving the plot is based on real issues. And so I've learned so much about 
Black history in America, I've learned about the microaggressions and aggressions that these students are facing in the fictional Ivy League university in like the same kind of headspace as I'm watching Gilmore Girls. So I'm I'm looking for more options like that that I can walk that, that I can watch in bed when I'm sick that are still keeping me active and in that learning mode while also healing me because following these stories is fun. I'm so glad that we're closing out this episode with this concept because I have seen a lot of um, especially Black artists and organizers saying like the world isn't going to be healed and you're not going to be healed just by consuming like horrible trauma, just by exposing yourself to horrible suffering and trauma. They're like, you also need to be experiencing Black joy and, you know, joyful art and stories. And that's come up, I've noticed too, in like the the young adult uh, fiction community when there's a lot of conversations a couple years ago about the fact that all of the like queer stories were like horribly traumatic. And it was like, we really need to have some young adult books that we can recommend that aren't just about trauma, that aren't just about gay kids coming out and being traumatized. We need stories about joy. We need stories where everything's okay, where people aren't horribly homophobic. So I think that that's like a really good thing to leave people with today is like, it's also our responsibility to like lift up to lift up joy and lift up stories that are different than ours and lift up love stories that don't look like our own, like things that are beautiful and inspiring and colorful um, that aren't just traumatizing. Because we don't want to just focus on awfulness. We want to focus, like you said earlier, on the world that we want to create. Grace, do you have any, to put totally put you on the spot, do you have any recommendations to leave our listeners with in this amazing genre we're describing? Oh my gosh. Well, I do feel put on the spot because I've been consuming, honestly, I've been consuming a lot of like really depressing stuff. Um, but I will say that I just watched a movie through the, uh, I subscribed to the Criterion channel a couple of months ago and I, um, I just watched a movie called The Watermelon Woman, which, uh, was actually made by a black lesbian filmmaker from Philadelphia and I didn't know she was from Philly where I'm from, um, so when I picked it, I suddenly am watching all of these scenes like filmed in the neighborhood I grew up in. And I was like, ah, this makes me so happy. But it was fascinating because it was a mockumentary, but I did not know that when I started the film. So I thought that it was just a documentary, uh, but it was actually a mockumentary. It was sort of a fictionalized story in which the filmmaker made herself the main character but it's about her search for more information about this like golden age of Hollywood black actress who was only billed in her films as the watermelon woman who was never named. And part of the story is her like uncovering that this actress was also queer 
and like slept with her female director and she's sort of like navigating her own relationships while while learning about this one and um there was just a lot of like amazing jokes and a lot of like it, like like really interesting friendships and and love scenes and it was a really beautiful film but um I didn't know that it was a mockumentary until the end so the thing that I loved about it uh in, in all of the ways that it surprised me was there was this thing at the end that basically said I don't remember the exact quote but she said like you have to like create what isn't there for you or like I didn't have the story that I needed so I made it up it was something like that it was like you know she needed a female figure in film who was like a black queer woman and that didn't exist that she could find so she just made it up and she created a whole fake documentary about this woman who didn't exist and it was genius Zandra. So this movie, The Watermelon Woman, I really recommend watching it. I think I want to go back and watch it again because I honestly think it will be even better now that I know what it's doing because there's all of these different like kinds of cameras used and all of this different footage that I now know. They filmed that black and white footage for the movie. Like oh I'm gosh. so amazed by this. I can't stop talking about it. I know we need to close the episode. <laughs> This is what I'm talking um, about. We want more things to obsess over. Yeah, but I really, I mean, it was a genius film. And I love the idea that she she didn't have this, like, hero that she needed. So she made her up and she pretended she was real for a whole movie. Amazing. I can't follow that. I just want to go watch it. Grace. What is the art life? The art life is being a protagonist. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's what I feel like that's what today is about. This episode is about. And of course, this month in Everyday Wonderland, too. <laughs> well, this has unfolded how I never could have anticipated. And I'm so happy for that. Sandra, what is the art life? It's simple. The art life is healing. I was thinking about this with the mockumentary you just shared and how fiction is such a big part of my art life. And there's something about fiction in particular that is different from watching a documentary for me that that I just I connect to. That's the world that I play with. So playing with fiction is part of my healing, is part of my art life. And I feel renewed and excited to keep keep going with more with with more clarity that that's the way forward for me. Well, we have talked about many ways forward today. I think that there has been a theme of sustainability and joy and having a plan for how to keep going. So, as people want to follow your story and follow your way forward, Sandra, where can people find your art? My art is all available on heroinetraining.com, which low-key got a makeover 
in the past couple of weeks. I haven't announced Yay! this formally yet because it looks so good. I'm, I'm so happy with it. My artist Pam from Amateur Creatives is, did an amazing job, and I haven't done like a big fanfare announcement yet because we're still working through some of the bugs, but it's there. So go, I'll just leave you there. Just go explore, enjoy. Um, it really feels like the tone and the the space that I want to be, where I want my art to live. So I'll just, I'll let you go play <laughs> over on heroinetraining.com. And I've mentioned Everyday Wonderland a few times during this episode and that is available to explore as well at everydaywonder.land and you can join us anytime um it's based on patreon grace where can people find your art my art is all posted on uh patreon.com slash grace gordon official especially in this time of quarantine still uh mostly you know i i'm doing a lot of digital work so um that is where to find everything i've been much more active on there since the past couple weeks have inspired a lot of work and inspired a lot of connection so check me out there patreon.com slash grace gordon official i have public posts that are free and you know you don't have to pay for and i also have a lot of patron only work so i look forward to talking more to our audience uh and hear about what they are doing to heal and what they are doing to grow. Aha. Zandra, can you uh, close out the episode by uh, reminding our lovely listeners that we are collecting their stories right now? Well, that's what we're doing. We are gearing up for our next campfire episode on the topic of the question, how have you grown? And we want to leave that open to whatever stories that brings up for you over these past few months of quarantine and revolution. So we look forward to basing an episode on sharing your stories, giving you a voice here on our show in the form of a digital campfire. So Please send us your stories to theartlife at heroinetraining.com by the end of June, and we'll get them ready for the show. I can't wait to hear people's stories. Yeah. Um, and I guess with that, we say goodbye. We do. From my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607 or email us theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.